coffee. <laughs> you got coffee? Is that is that new? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Welcome to Cross Politic. It's a special edition with Dr. Michael Kruger. Mm. Uh, he's president and Samuel C. Patterson professor of New Testament and early Christianity at Reformed Theological Seminary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, he received his Bachelor of Science at UNC Chapel Hill, his MDiv from Westminster Seminary in California, and his PhD from the University of Edinburgh. In addition, he's an ordained minister in the PCA, the Presbyterian Church in America. And he serves as an associate pastor at his home church, Uptown PCA. He's married to Melissa Kruger, who's also the women's ministry coordinator at Uptown. Uh, Dr. Kruger, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, guys. Good to be with you. Um, We we found you um, because back in April, you began a blog series entitled The Ten Commandments of Progressive Christianity. Um, I just thought maybe begin by asking you just what inspired this blog series and and what are some of your goals in uh, in writing these posts? Mm. Yeah, great question. Um, I think what inspired it is actually a friend of mine sent me a uh, devotional from uh, a person by the name of Richard Rohr, R-O-H-R. Yeah. Uh, and he went through 10 different things he thought Christians needed to know about. Uh, um, and these 10 things I sort of rebranded as the 10 commandments of progressive Christianity. Mm. Yeah. And so when he sent that to me, I realized it was making the rounds and particularly in the mainline denominational churches being used by folks to train them on what they should and should not believe. And uh, it reminded me, actually, of the same type of liberal progressive Christianity that sort of birthed in the early 20th century and sort of revisited. Yeah. yeah. So um, I actually took people back to, to J. Gresham Machen's well-known book, Christianity and Liberalism, and sort of mm-hmm. said, hey, this stuff's still around, still infiltrating the churches, people are still reading it. And uh, I thought a, a series might be helpful for people to sort of understand each of those uh, each of those 10 items. How much do you think is infiltrating the PCA? More than people think is probably the way I would say it. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I've, I think there's a distinction between what the ministers believe and what the average person in the pew believes. And mm. I think most ministers uh, overestimate the amount of agreement between the person in the pew and themselves. So mm. I, I think they don't recognize that their average parishioner each week is digesting and hearing and learning from the culture at a much greater rate. Than they than they assume, and mm-hmm. and certainly a rate that outweighs anything they're going to get for thirty minutes on Sunday. Right. Um, and so there's that gap. And so I think probably part of the reason for the blog is to say, hey, you know, we probably need to wake up a little bit. People in our church are digesting these ideas, even if they don't realize them. Mm, um, yeah. Even if they're true believers, they still sort of adopt some of these ideas, and 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 probably ways we don't even recognize. Yeah, I was I was caught immediately by your fourth commandment, or Richard Rohr's fourth commandment, however we want to do it. Um, gracious behavior is more important than right belief. Um, and yes. as you're unpacking that in the blog post on that one, you point out that when doctrine and theology are disparaged, all you're ultimately left with is a religion of being nice. Mm. A, 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 yeah. a religion of niceness. Vody Bakum's ten commandments, eleventh commandment. There is it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but what I, what I was thinking is like, so you, you point out, like, I think this is happening in the PCA. I do think that people in the pew um, aren't keeping up with as well th- with their pastors as maybe the pastors think. Uh, can you give us any examples of where you think that's happening? 
Well, it depends what you mean. In terms, of, in terms of ideologically, examples of what I think people are believing, or maybe just specifically. Well, specifically on. I mean, I think you're spot on when you say that we are imbibing a religion of niceness, yeah, um, and disparaging theology and right belief. I mean, I, I, I can think of some examples, and I'm just curious. Like, so what? What are some of the things maybe you're seeing on your end of things where people are valuing niceness and gracious yeah. behavior over right belief? Yeah, well, I think I think what I notice, and this is this is less a specific example, but more a broad observation, is that there's a there's a sense amongst many evangelicals that they feel quite free to disparage the importance of doctrine. Yeah, doctrine or theological uh, precision is viewed as pharisaical, legalistic, irrelevant, and something that just creates arguments and division. Yeah. Um, and so that can be sort of swept to the side in most people's minds as just something that's not helpful or necessary. And what we really need to do is just sort of love people. What we really need to do is just, right. you know, uh, you know, serve people and care for the poor and these sorts of things. Pitting, pitting what, truth what against I point grace. out in my article is, yeah. well, why do we have to decide? Why do I have to choose between those two things? Right. In fact, what happens if you, if you do force yourself to choose between those things is you end up with a version of Christianity that's completely contrary to, to the biblical witness. And you end up, as mm. I suggested with the, with a religion of moralism, right. where it's just, Hey, go out and be a good person. And of course, people don't realize also that what they think they should, be, how they think they should behave morally, is, is a theological concept. So you That's can't right. completely disparage doctrine, or you wouldn't even know how to act. <laughs> right. So there's Amen. a real misunderstanding there. Related to that one is the third one. The third commandment is valuing reconciliation over judgment. Again, another similar thing where you point out. I mean, we can't even talk about reconciliation if we don't form any judgments mm. about what's right and wrong. Ultimately. Being able to make a judgment about what is right and wrong is what makes reconciliation and healing possible. And yeah, exactly. And, and one <laughs> yeah, well, I think what you're re- recognizing there is that in each of these uh, ten commandments of, of progressivism, there's there's an inherent inconsistency in the worldview they're presenting. <laughs> right. Um, it's, it just doesn't work within itself, and so there's these inconsistencies. So claiming you want reconciliation, but we don't want theology, or you want reconciliation, but you don't want to ever tell someone what they're doing is wrong, is right. just an untenable combination. So one of the, um, it sounds really good on the surface until right. you start, you know, boring down into it. And you realize, well, how do you reconcile with someone unless they repent? And there's a sense in which they recognize what they did was erroneous. And how would you know it's erroneous unless you have some standard to compare it to? Yeah. Right. And define so reconciliation. You really right. sort of self implodes, and yeah. and that's what I tried to point on the blog post is that you know progressivism or liberalism just doesn't work. So one of the examples that I thought of as I was reading through these was the recent controversy surrounding the Revoice Conference in St. Louis this summer. Um, it was a, a yeah. it was a ecumenical sort of event, but it was uh, sponsored by or hosted by a PCA church in St. Louis. Do you believe that the sponsors of that conference are falling into some of these third and fourth commandment ditches, valuing mm. reconciliation over judgment, maybe valuing um, uh, gracious behavior over right belief? Truth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I certainly couldn't comment on the on the people who. Who, who either sponsored or started the conference, but I can comment on the conference itself and what I see on their website and what I know about the things that were said in it is I think there's, there's no doubt that some of the things on this, this list are, are, are in play. Yeah. Um, and what, what's tricky about the, the Ten Commandments of Progressive Christianity, and I pointed this out in my initial post, is that they're all partially right. Right. They're all partly true. Yeah, right. Um, and this is why even evangelicals who read the list would say, well, there's some sense in which that's true, and there's some sense in which that's right. Well, and that's and why that's Satan was so effective. That's the real problem. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you know, you look at a conference like the Revoice, and it looks like they're saying, hey, let's stop being mean to people and 
stop making judgments and just welcome people and look for ways to reconcile. And at first glance, you're like, well, that sounds attractive. But then you realize, well, but how do you do that? Because you, you still got to acknowledge the fact that the Bible is very clear about what it teaches about sexuality. So how do you, <laughs> how do you find that balance? So there were some disturbing things on that, on that website, I think, for a lot of people that sound a lot like the things on this list. So um, my uncle, you know, went to RTS in Mississippi, graduated from RTS. I grew up in the PCA, um, was baptized in the PCA and, you know, was in there, uh, PCA for about 17, 18 years before I moved to the West Coast. And, uh, yeah, I mean, of course, you know the history of the PCA better than I do. The PCA broke off of the PCUSA in 73 because of liberalism, basically. And liberalism creeping in the PCUSA. Yeah. Um, at what point do uh, we recognize that basically the PCA is now dealing with the same things that they broke off from in the PCUSA, and we go kind of full charging at it in the PCA? Well, I mean, anybody who's been been tracking the denomination over the last five or ten years has raised those same concerns and issues, and, and they're mm-hmm. looking around thinking our denomination doesn't feel like it did a decade ago. Huh, um, yeah. It feels like there's there's a little bit more fuzziness, there's a little bit more blurriness around the edges. Um, it seems a little bit like it's adopting to the culture in ways that make many people uncomfortable. And so, yeah, anytime you have a denominational drift, you have to ask questions about how you how you keep it on track. Uh, I think it reminds us that that every organization, every institution, every denomination is always in danger of drifting. Yeah. And and arguably it's a cyclical scenario, right? Denominations <laughs> will come up and they'll be yeah. orthodox for a while and they'll drift away and then a new one will start yeah. and drift away. So there's a cycle of sort of reformations within the history of Christendom where organizations do this and even, even churches do this. Um, and the seminaries do this. At, at Reformed right. Theological Seminary, we are very conscious of dangers and seminaries of drifting. We have mm-hmm. all these infrastructures in place and all these things we we regularly focus on to make sure there's no institutional drift. And, and I guess the point is simply this, is that if a denomination isn't consciously uh, resisting institutional drift, it's going to happen on its own. Mm-hmm. That, that's yep. what drift is. Drift happens without you realizing right. it. And I think there right. has to be a more concerted effort to make sure that doesn't happen. One of the amazing things that's happening right now with RTS is I've seen, at least over the last well, 15 years, um, a lot of um, black people have started becoming reformed. And RTS is the way that, that which they're coming to be reformed. And so you see this wonderful kind of merger and cultural uh, mixing inside of RTS. It was one of the things that I'm happy to see. But at the same time, you see this process of of kind of this form of liberalism creeping into with the racial reconciliation and also mm. social justice. It's all happening, kind of merging together as well. And so the social justice statement that just came out um, is kind of trying to speak to these two worlds colliding at the same time. And so I, mm-hmm. I guess my question for you is right now, as you see what's going on, do you think the social justice statement is a good place to help that that drift <laughs> or help that ship be anchored so you don't drift? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the hot topic today is, is the social justice topic, isn't it? Everybody's talking about that. I mean, the statement that MacArthur and his his, his group put out has has spurred that conversation and and uh I mean, there's a lot that can be said about the details of that statement. On, on a broad level, I, I would say that, that, that I share in many people's concerns about making sure the church doesn't lose its way uh, with with influences from social justice movements that are less than centered on the gospel. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and we have to define our terms here about what we mean by social justice, of course, um, and that's that's a conversation that can be, be complicated. But, but certainly there's many people that, that have a concern that, look, we've got to make sure that that uh, we don't lose our mission 
yeah. the mission of the church and the, and the core thing, what we do. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we just continually have to go back to the Great Commission and remind ourselves, what is the main purpose of the church, you know? Right. Uh, you know, the preaching of the gospel, the making of disciples, um, the planning of churches has got to be center center stage for whatever we're about. And it seems like that's what the, 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 the statement on social justice from John MacArthur is trying to do. And so I, I guess the question is, I'm asking you is like, would you, is this something that you would consider? Yes, we should definitely be signing this to engage a conversation or, or no, this is not something that's going to help further the conversation or anchor the church. Well, I haven't, I haven't looked at the statement in, in the type of detail where I could comment on signing it or not at this point, but I think the issues that MacArthur's raising are issues that we need to, to have on the table. Yeah. Um, they're, they're important issues for the church to wrestle with. And I think in particular, important issues for the PCA to wrestle with. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thankful that he came out with it because that conversation is, is overdue, a, a real frank conversation about, about the, the pitfalls and dangers of going too far down that path. Yeah, um, and so I think those conversations are starting. Yeah, because I and, and, they, and they're long and they should have been happening years ago, in my opinion. And I'm glad they're starting to happen. Yeah, the, actually, what made me think about it was your state, your number. The, I don't know if it's not yours, but the commandment, third commandment, which is basically uh, the work of reconciliation. Worth the work of reconciliation should be valued over making judgments, and that seems to be like the heart of the issue right now. And so it seems like. Your statement here is echoing what's happening inside of the social justice statement. Right. I, I was thinking I was going to riff off that and say, you know, like the MLK 50 conference that happened this last spring. Yeah. What some of the concerns raised were you have this situation where a bunch of reformed and evangelical leaders seem to be um, celebrating MLK's um, movement, calling the church to continue that sort of reconciliation cause while saying nothing about his gross infidelities, his <laughs> abuse of women. Um, and, um, and, and so I was, you know, one of the questions I had for you is, you know, do, do you think there, you know, do you think something like that is troubling? Um, and, and is that the sort of thing where somebody is valuing reconciliation over making clear judgments about, you know, this is right, this is wrong. Um, it, it seems like that would be another ex- example of that sort of thing happening in our midst. Yeah, I mean, I think what the church needs to be careful of, and you know, when I say church, I mean evangelical church as a whole, PCA and beyond, is 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 letting our mission be determined by the the topics our culture always wants to talk about. Right. Yeah. Um, and this doesn't mean that we don't ever respond to or engage our culture. That that's appropriate to do, but the agenda has to come from Scripture. The agenda has to come from the mission that God's given the church, and let that be the be the guide. And so in all these discussions, you know, that's one of the major categories that we need to recover, which is who's, you know, the things we're talking about, things we're concerned about, the things we want to, to, to be about, that, that those, those sorts of things have to be scripturally conditioned. Um, and sometimes in, in, in certain instances, it looks like the, the cues are coming from more on the cultural side than on the biblical side. And, and I think that's where lots of people are concerned. Dr. Kruger, if we wanted to find some more of your work, where would we find it at? So my website is called Cannon Fodder, um, and the, uh, the, the, the reason it's spelled C-A-N-O-N is because obviously it has to do with the biblical canon uh, and not the, the boom-boom canon, if you will. Yep. <laughs> um, and so it's a bit of a pun, but uh, it can also be found – the URL is actually my name, michaeljkruger.com. And uh, even though I talk a lot about biblical authority issues and issues about the origins of the – New Testament canon. I cover all kinds of ground theologically on my website, and in the series I'm doing that you guys are are discussing is obviously not about canon directly at all. It's about uh, trends within yeah. uh, modern Christianity. So I cover a lot of different things, and I have videos and, and articles and 
lectures all online there, and that's a place people can go to get more. Dr. Kruger, thank you so much for being on the show, sir. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, man. Appreciate it, guys. Good to be with you. Until Friday, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not Friday, Sunday night. Yes. What am I thinking? Yes. Skip football. Watch Cross Politic on Facebook Live. <laughs> love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politic.